Well, what a privilege to be with you this morning. And um, yeah, we haven't been here for a while. I hope you can remember us, although we don't remember all the faces. But um, yeah, it's such a privilege to be here. And um, yeah, we pray that the Lord would bless you and meet with you and uh, speak to your hearts. Um, this normally is one of my um, favorite times on our deputation work when we come to Potchefstroom to be with Brother Mike and his family and this wonderful church. Uh, it's such a blessing. This is what I grew up in, uh, singing the old hymns, opening the Bible, preaching, teaching, going out on the streets uh, and being preached at and let God speak your heart. So it's such a privilege to be here. Thank you so much for this opportunity and may the Lord bless us all together. Let's open the word of the Lord uh, in the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, chapter 6, uh, from verse 1 to 34, and also John 20, verse 17. John 20, verse 17. Two places, Matthew, chapter 6, verse 1 to 34, um, and then John 20, verse 17. Now, we're not going to go through the whole chapter. It's way too long. I, I assume and I believe you have read, read through this chapter as you read through your Bible, you've been through this. And uh, we're just going to read the first nine verses. And as I said, you, I assume you know what's in the rest of the chapter. Okay, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 to 9. Take heed that you do not your arms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine arms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let, thou not, let, thy, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. That thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou, thou shalt not be as, a, as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou, when thou hast shut thy, thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth thee in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they, they shall be heard for their much speaking. But not, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask. After this manner, therefore ye pray, O Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you know the rest of the chapter. John 20, verse 17. After the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not ascended unto my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Now, uh, just quick context here. It's in the, the, um, the, the Beatitudes, chapter 6. And uh, Jesus is pointing out two types of lives here. Those of the Pharisees and those of his disciples, as we saw in chapter 5, verse, um, verse 20, where he told them, um, For I say unto you that, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall not, in no case enter the, the kingdom of God. Of heaven. Okay, let's um, open with a word of prayer.
Father, we come to you this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray thee, we ask thee, because thou art good and kind and faithful and true, that you would meet with us and that you would speak to us and that, that you would not pass our, our lives by God, that you would heal our souls, be the bishop and carer and caretaker of our souls as you are the good shepherd. Lead us to yourself as the fountain of everlasting life. As we come to thee, as we call unto thee, as we pray thee, Lord, keep your angels around us now. Fill me, O God, the Holy Spirit, and glorify your own name this morning. In Jesus the Christ name. Amen. A title for the sermon, Father. Father. One word. <laughs> Have you ever heard about a sermon on one word? <laughs> Quite difficult. But that's what it's going to be this morning. And I want you to know this morning that this sermon is for the saved. If you are truly, truly born again of God, and you know that you are saved, you have become a new creature, you are washed in the blood, and you, you are sure you're, you're on your way to heaven, this is for you. This is not for the unsaved. If you are unsaved this morning, you have no right to this message. You have no right to this truth. It can be yours, and God wants it to be yours, but in itself, this is not yours. This is for the child of God that is born again, that, that is a new creature in Christ, whose life has changed. And knows he's on his way to heaven that wants and desires to live a holy life. It's for you. And I want you to take heart in this message this morning. When my father died last year, as some of you would know, I remember that evening last year, 8 November, I got a call from, um, from my brother. 12 o'clock in uh, um, the evening, and I answered the phone, and I wondered what's wrong. And he just told me, Ivan, Dad died. And I don't know what to do. And my life came to a massive big standstill at that point of time. And I was extremely sad and it felt that everything just came to one big standstill. Because my father died. But one thing that encouraged me during that time and even still now is though even though my earthly father has died, I still have a heavenly father. Even though I can no longer talk to my father on this earth, I can still talk to my heavenly father. Even though I can no longer ask my father for advice, I can still ask all things from my father which is in heaven. Now this morning we are going to focus on this section from verse 1 to 34. And it's going to be, like I said, I'm not going to go into detail. It's too heavy and too long. But uh, we're going to have a short overview of this chapter. Um, and as I said, it is a comparison be between two types of people. The Pharisees, the hypocrites, and the, the life of the disciple of Christ. Now... We need, to, we need to define what is a hypocrite. We need to define what is a hypocrite. And a hypocrite is someone who pretends to be someone he's not. He pretends to be someone he is not in real life. 
He's an actor, a stage player, a pretender. He's acting on a stage with a mask on his face and he's, he's trying to be someone on stage while in reality in his own room where, where nobody sees him, he's not that. He pretends to be spiritual while in reality he's not. He's also handing out tracts. He's also coming to church. He's also busy with the activities. But in real life, He's not that. The hypocrites, back in Jesus' day, they praised themselves. They also gave. They, they also prayed. They also fasted. They also sought wealth. But just so that they could be praised, seen, and heard, and rewarded by man. They lived for the glory of man. They were looking to make a name for themselves. They only did these things to fulfill rituals and ceremonies. That's what their purpose was. They obeyed out of duty and not of delight. Those were the hypocrites. And why is that? Because they had no real, intimate, loving, living relationship with God. He said, what about John 8 verse 42, where the Pharisees said, um, the Father is even our God. They called Jesus Father, or God Father. But Jesus said, if God was your father, you would have done this, um, the works, the same works. You would have believed me. You would have obeyed me. You would have wanted to kill me. This is typically of the unsaved. This is typically of the unsaved. You can see it in all religions. I live in Indonesia in one of the biggest Muslim countries of, of this world. And you know what it is? It's just rituals and ceremonies. There's no real relationship with, with God. You see it in all churches, in all families, where people do not know God personally. Their spiritual activities are only duties, ceremonies, and rituals that doesn't flow out of a real, living, um, loving relationship with God. And you see it in our Afrikaans culture What happens at 6 o'clock at night when we eat? See and Father, let us eat, let us never forget. No relationship. But on the other hand, people who know God through Christ is different. Their spiritual life is different. They give and they pray and they fast and they seek wealth with their focus on God. Because they have a real living relationship with God. And how do we know this? Because in verse 1, 4, 6, 8, 9, 18, 26, 32, we see one word that distinguishes people who are not saved from people who are truly saved. And that is the word, Father. 
Father. We see it in verse 1. It says, Take heed that you do not alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father. Verse 4, That that thy alms may be in secret, and that thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Verse 6, Pray to your Father. Verse 8, For your Father knows. Verse 9, Our Father which art in heaven. 18, Your Father which seeth you. 26, Your Father. The 32, But your Father... Now, this is very important because this distinguishes people who have a relationship with God and those who are only religious. And again, I refer to John 8 verse 42. The Jews or the scribes, the Pharisees also called God their father. But in reality, although this word was used, there was no relationship with him. They didn't really know him. Maybe that's you this morning. They wanted to kill Jesus, even though they called him um, God their father. One plus one is not two in, in, um, in, in that context. This is very important because this word distinguishes people who have a relationship with God and those who are only religious. People who are not born again only have ceremonies and rituals, while people who have been born again by the Holy Spirit have a relationship with God through Christ. How do we know that? Because only children born of their parents have a special, intimate relationship with their father and mother, and they have the right to call them mom and dad. Isn't that true? I take my children. Why does Simon and Salome Silas Call me Papa. Because I'm their father. They, made, they are my children. If I walk on, on, on the street, if I walk on the street and the boy approaches me, he's not going to say to me, Papa, can I ask you where the story is? Why not? Why is he not going to say Papa to me or Father? Because I'm not his father. He's going to say Sir or... Um, Um, I take my little boy Silas he's three years of age and he's a very funny boy he goes to the toilet for his number two and when he's done um, you, you just hear this scream out of the toilet wipes Daddy, bring the wipes. Oh dear. <laughs> and I always thought, why am um, this is extreme boldness? <laughs> he knows his daddy is gonna is gonna act, he's gonna reply, he's gonna come. Why does he have this boldness? Because I'm his father and he's my son, and we have a relationship with each other. So this morning, we are going to focus on verse 9. And specifically on this word, Father, as we saw it right through this chapter. And if we understand this word correctly, then our spiritual lives, our spiritual deeds, our activities will not be based on duties alone, 
but on the light. Let's focus on this word, Father, then, this morning. You know this verse, our Father, which art in heaven. The writer Charles Spurgeon once said, There is heaven in this world. There is heaven in this world. And what he meant by this was, this word Father is so full of comfort and peace and joy and happiness and love. It's like heaven itself. There's no other word that is so intimate, so personal, so full and, um, and warm and affectionate and close as this word. This word is indeed full of love, all love, all comfort, all peace and all joy. This is amazing, brother. We children of God can call the most holy, all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent God Father. Did you know before God created, He was a Father? From of eternity to eternity, God was a father. And he loved his son through the Spirit. In this world, all the love and all the grace and all the mercy and all the goodness and all the kindness and all the faithfulness of God is gathered together infinitely. And infinitely means without measure, bound, or limit. Wow. Because of this word, we can know as children of God that we are truly, truly loved. Without any evil, conditions, or pretense. Let's look at three more examples in, um, in the Bible. John 15 verse 9. John 15 verse 9. And it says, as the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue ye in my love, abide in, in my love. Bath, soak yourself in, in his love. Stay in it, live in it. So how did God the Father love Jesus Christ, his Son? And to understand this, we have to look at the attributes of God. And we don't have time for all of it, but we're going to look at a few of them. God is perfect. And His love for His Son is therefore also perfect. God is holy. And His love for His Son, Jesus Christ, is therefore also holy, unique. Holy means unique, totally other. And Pure, without any evil or fame. 
God is eternal. And his love for his son is eternal. God is faithful and true. And his love for his son is faithful and true. God is unchangeable. And his love for his son therefore has never changed. And will never change. So, we who are in Christ this morning, if you are in Christ this morning, if you are a born again, true child of God, this is yours. We can conclude that we are perfectly loved. His love never changes. He doesn't love us much today and tomorrow less because He's perfect. He doesn't change for the better or for the worse because He's perfect. His love is unique. There's nothing like it. It's holy. It's pure without deception or evil. And it's always good because God is holy. Nothing will happen in your life from God that won't be for your spiritual good. His love is no beginning nor end because He's eternal. His love has always been the same and as He has loved us before creation, He still loves us now with the same intensity. And nothing has changed. His love will not change because of our actions, because he's faithful and true to himself. If I sin today, maybe yesterday night with the rugby, and I come back to God for forgiveness, I can be sure that he will still love me. Because his love has not changed and will not change. God loves us because he himself is love. He himself is the reason for loving us. And not because of our love for him. His love is uncaused and undeserved. Let's look at another example, Romans 8 verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Why don't we need to be afraid anymore as, as children of God? Why? Because in verse 1 it says, that there is therefore now no condemnation for them that is in Christ Jesus, for those who live not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Before we were saved, we lived in fear. Because God's punishment, His wrath was upon us because we, we, violated, we violated His commands. And we deserved eternal punishment, namely hell. We said to God, God, I don't want you. 
I want all your blessings and all your goodness just for myself. But because of Christ's payment for our sins on the cross of Calvary, we as believers are released from God's punishment. And now we no longer need to fear, but can call God, the King of kings, the creator of the universe, Abba Father. The word Abba or Abba in Aramaic means Papa. So through these two words, Papa and Father, we are assured by the Holy Spirit of God that the judge of the world, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, is our Papa and Father. If you don't believe that, you can take, take a scissors and take that out of your Bible, brother. Theologians explain the, these words. It's like a son who is in distress and cries out to his father, Papa, please help me, I'm going to fall. And immediately his dad reacts and helps his son. These two words give us the assurance that we are loved and accepted forever. We don't need to wonder whether I'm a child of God because in verse 16 it explains that the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the children of, of God. Brother, this is so deep and so amazing. This is an infinite sea to swim in. Let's, let's look at the last example, 1 John 4, verse 15 to 18. One John four verse fifteen to eighteen. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love of God that he hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. There is no fear in love, for perfect love casteth out fear. So many Christians today live in fear. They think that they will only be loved by God if they work hard enough. If they serve God as much as possible, if they read their Bible and pray enough, if they win souls all day, I'm on the mission field. I know that. <laughs> no fruit, no acceptance. See nothing of your labors, no acceptance by God. 
I sometimes think we as Christians, we as Christians is as animists. I live in the middle of the jungle with the tribal people that is that's animistic. And you know what their whole life is based on? Appeasing spirits. So they are so afraid just to do something wrong. Some ritual, some ceremony, do something wrong. Why? Because the spirit, the spirit is going to curse them. Their whole life is based on fear. So many people think, so many Christians think that if they sin again after that they are saved, God doesn't want them anymore. But this verse states that God wants us to realize that in His love, in His love, there is no fear. Because in Him, in Christ, in the Lord Jesus Christ, all of our life, past, present, and future have been absolved. And accept it. There's nothing in your life, brother and sister, that God doesn't know about. Nothing. Not past, not now, and not future. In His love, we can rest, not worry, and live without fear of God's punishment because Christ has paid it in full, once and for all. So let's conclude this message. If we want a spiritual life that doesn't focus solely on rituals and duties, we have to believe that God is our Father. If we want to give and pray and fast and work and live in this world, we must believe that God seeks a loving, real, intimate relationship between Him and us. Our brother and sister, if you are saved this morning, in this word, Father, there is a fathomless and boundless and bottomless sea of love. There is a peace that passes all understanding. And the joy that will enable you to live in the most difficult circumstances of life. Is God your Father this morning? Do you know Him as such? Are you just re religious? Maybe you don't even have a, you don't even have a father. There is a Father. If you would come to Jesus Christ on His terms, on His way, His way of salvation, that would love you 
for all eternity. And would never leave you or lose you or give you up for someone else. Let's pray. Lord, we would truly, truly, for all eternity, search and find that there is none like you. Thank you for this amazing, divine truth that you are our Father. And that we may call you as such. We worship you for that. And draw our lives into this truth more and more. Base our lives, our activities, our, our, um, our, our disciplines on the fact that you are our Father. Have mercy on us. Change our lives. Bring us to yourself, the fountain of everlasting life. And let us say, as Augustine said, I only find rest in this life as we find it in God, our Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before I dismiss you to have some time in the sunshine, he told you before he started this message was for saved people. And I hope if you're saved, you are greatly comforted by the reminder of just how deep that the Father's love goes and how all-encompassing it is. Um, I, I hope that God has spoken to your heart and helped you with that and uh, encouraged you. But before you step out the door just for a few minutes as we take this break, I'm going to turn the message to perhaps somebody in the room that is lost. He, he brought out a very interesting point in that message. He, he brought us back to John chapter 8 a couple of times where the Jews said, but God is our Father. And Jesus had to remind them that that was not the case. He actually told them a couple of verses later, year of your father, the devil. And imagine what a startling reality, a startling truth that was to hear. Wait a minute. Our whole life, we have been under the impression that God is our Father. And now you're telling us that that's not the case? They assumed God was their Father because of their religion. But they had never come to know God as their Father through the new birth, starting a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus said you must be born again. How do you get born? You receive life. How do you get born again? Receive new life. What did Jesus say? I am the resurrection and the life. And that's why receiving him is the only way to truly call God Father. So I hope you do consider that. Let's all stand. Thank you, Brother Yvonne.
for giving us some really good stuff to think about. Go ahead and step outside. He's already prayed. Let's step outside and enjoy some sunshine and